You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the Katie Copied Off in Math Class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. If you ever have a question, you can send it to Locked On Vikings Podcast at gmail.com. You can fill out the Google form, which is in the show notes. You can ask me on Discord if you have Discord any way you want, or just send it to me on Twitter, and I'll get to it every Tuesday. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them that locked on sent you and today i want to talk about kirk cousins this is kind of we're going to go back to the postmortem part of the offseason kind of schedule this is the one i kind of put off i didn't talk a lot about kirk cousins this year because i was waiting for the pff qb annual i think it's an awesome resource and it really helps me to contextualize and sort of check in on a lot of the takes that i have from over the season from just watching tape every week and stuff like that and it's chock full of a whole bunch of really interesting information even if you're somebody who doesn't really like pff's grades i definitely have gone back and forth on them over the course of last season and all that uh but even if you don't like them most of the information in this isn't grades or anything really subjective it's just really interesting splits uh, you know d- different stats when he holds the ball for more than two and a half seconds or less than two and a half seconds certain accuracy thing and the way that they chart accuracy we'll talk about that in a little bit and i think he can give us a lot of insights to kirk cousins so this is going to kind of be the kirk cousins 2020 episode let's really try to get a good story for how kirk cousins was and what that won't be is just a spectrum of good to bad i'm not going to give him a grade and, and call it a day right quarterback play is just too complicated for that to be like as informative as you need it to be right and okay quarterback performance can be one that you know is like a 30 touchdown 30 interception kind of thing where it's really volatile but also very productive it can be a check down thing it can be uh you know they were good at this but they were bad at that and i think all of that is really informative especially as we think about you know what kind of things to draft for the vikings there was a big long conversation that i had on twitter on uh, tuesday about drafting a skill player or drafting an offensive lineman which would you rather do and all that and i think what kirk cousins did in 2020 probably informs that decision a lot. So I think it helps us to get a little bit more specific. And I guess where I want to start, and I think this will kick off most of the conversation, is I want to start with PFF's summary of of Kirk Cousins' season. It's a quick paragraph, and I'm just going to read it out loud to you really quick. They said, One of these years, Kirk Cousins will fulfill the prophecy and become one of the most unlikely NFL MVPs of all time, but 2020, like every year before, it was not that year. The Vikings hit on replacing Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson in the draft. They have a top-five rushing attack and a great scheme overall, but the team still couldn't put together anything resembling an NFL NFL caliber offensive line. For Cousins and the Vikings offense to really click, all four of those surrounding elements must be in at least above average. That's who Cousins is. He can produce if everything around him is in tip-top shape, but he looks like a fish out of water when plans go awry. He has clean footwork, is accurate, and generally understands opposing defenses, but can't operate with anything less than immaculate surroundings. One of these years, it'll happen, we promise. It's kind of snarky, and that's fine, uh, but I... I- think here's where I'm going to kind of go at PFF a little bit. 
I don't think that the data that follows that paragraph actually like supports that take very much at all. Uh, and I, I it even that paragraph even contradicts itself at, at a certain point it says, you know, well, he needs to have at least above average. And if it's not tip top shape, it falls apart. So is it does it need to be immaculate or does it need to be above average? Because that's a very different thing to ask for. But I think forgetting whether or not we end up agreeing with whoever wrote the paragraph for the PFF QB annual, I think we it's a good question to ask is how much exactly does Kirk Cousins need perfect surroundings or how much does he just need normal surroundings right the offensive line play that he had to deal with was less than normal and has been for his whole time in minnesota and even a lot of his years in washington and the other thing that pff kind of laid out there and it gives us a good structure to go off of is kind of the four different elements of what you would call a supporting cast you know the scheme the the receivers the offensive line and then the run game it's interesting that they included the run game in that because PFF is not a big fan of the idea that the run game like affects the quarterback. And I think I agree with them on that. So we can throw the running game thing out. I don't think there are many people at PFF. If you walked up to them and said, hey, a quarterback has a really good running game. Would you expect them to be that much better because of it? I don't think many people in that building would say yes. So I find it kind of funny that they decided to include that. But, you know, the little intro paragraph far from defines the actual data. And so let me start with, I guess, the the accuracy part of this, because Kirk Cousins has always been a very accurate quarterback to have this awesome accuracy thing uh, where they actually kind of chart out how accurate you were. And if you missed where was it uh, like on the receiver's body? Was it high? Was it behind them? Was it too far out and all that stuff? And uh, Kirk's accuracy wasn't as good as it was in 2019. In 2019, they called his accuracy elite. I think I agree. Uh, in 2020, they called it simply very good, which is the next level down. And I think I agree with that. I think he missed a few more throws in 2020 than he did in 2019, but he still was by and large very good at putting the ball on target and where he meant to put it. That's never really been at issue with Cousins. It's never really been anything that anybody contends about Cousins, but it's good to check in on and say, yep, that is still the way we think it is. Cool. Check. Everything confirmed. And there's another one of those like four facets of uh, of supporting cast. If we throw out the run game, we can also check on the receivers pretty easily here because of another really great thing that they have in this QB annual, which is separating all of uh, Kirk Cousins' throws by the separation the receiver had. So, for example, they had about 55%, the Vikings had about 55% of Cousins' attempts were thrown to open receivers, which are guys with more than a step of separation from the, the the nearest defender. So guys who were not contested at all. 55%, which is a pretty good thing. That's a, You want to accomplish that. About 25% were uh, had a step or, you know, a, a defender was closing in. That's two different buckets for them. And then about the remaining 20% were tight throws where the guy was like really, uh, really well covered. And on in all of those different buckets, Cousins was pretty accurate in the step and closing bucket. So if the receiver just has a step on the guy, hasn't totally burned him, or it's not like a zone thing where you found the hole, you got a step on a guy. So you need to be somewhat accurate, but you don't need to be perfect. That was very, very, very good for Kirk Cousins. And now PFF has two different accuracy buckets. They have the generally accurate bucket, and then they have accurate plus, which you would call like, those are the dimes. Those are the perfect passes. He wasn't as good as doing at doing the perfect passes, but he was good at making it accurate enough where the receiver didn't have to work too hard for it. They would call that, yeah, you threw that ball well, and we're going to call that a positive play for you. And he had about the same story on uh, balls where the defender was closing in. That's something like a curl route and the defender is breaking on the ball or something like that, like a, a snag route, something where the receiver stops or something where it's 
zone coverage. It's basically the same kind of level of accuracy is required, but it's like man coverage versus zone coverage almost. Um, and so those are two buckets that they kind of lump together in some categories. And Kirk Cousins was about as accurate, where he was very, very good at being accurate, not as good at being, you know, at throwing dimes and throwing perfect passes there, but he didn't really need to be. And on tight throws, he wasn't excellent, but he wasn't horrible. He was about a half a percent below average accuracy on like tight throws, which I think is fine. And if you wanted to make an argument that, you know, oh, Kirk Cousins needs you to get separation all the time, it would be pretty weak to say. And, you know, because if you don't get separation, he's uh, half a percent below average. Like that's, I think, a pretty weak argument. And I think ultimately, if you get a little separation, he can make it work for that. And even if you don't, he can still make it work a reasonable amount of the time. He just isn't above average at that particular part. But it, it's a pretty weak argument to say that he like required elite receivers. He was able to maximize them, but I don't think he required them. And honestly, I don't think he required them like really throughout his career. He's had a lot of really interesting receivers. He's been in, you know, the McVeigh crazy year when it was like Pierre Garçon and Jordan Reed and Deshaun Jackson and that whole like crazy time he had those pass catchers. But even when he didn't have crazy pass catchers like that stretch of 2019 where Adam Thielen was out and it's pretty much digs and some guys he's still managed to make some stuff so I would push back on the idea that Kirk Cousins needs like perfect receiving weapons to 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 make an offense go I think he can maximize the separation that he's given I think he can work fine if there is no separation this just doesn't seem like the axis on which to evaluate Cousins it seems like he's at worst at most pessimistic he's okay at it if not helping out a little bit now we're going to go a lot deeper into the scheme and the O-line parts of this but first I want to talk to you about bet online bet online is your online sports book that is the premier place to go get your gramble on with the NBA, MLB, NHL all going strong right now and you want to get some bets on. There's no football to bet on, but there's still plenty of sports. So head on over to betonline.ag. If you enter promo code locked on, all one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus when you first sign up and you, and you do your first deposit. So if your first deposit's 100 bucks, you get 150 to play with. So make sure you use that locked on promo code. Make sure you use it well. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's February, that's Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk a little bit more about Kirk Cousins. And now I want to talk a little bit about the scheme. The thing about the QB annual that always kind of gets me is I always find myself learning more about the scheme than I do about the quarterback. And spoiler alert, this isn't going to change my opinion of the Vikings scheme. I think the Vikings are in the correct scheme right now, both for the personnel that they have and also for the opponents that they often face. A lot of teams are still running kind of this base cover three thing, wide zone, the bootlegs and, and the concepts that the Vikings have installed are very good at countering the defense they see most often. If you are trying to change the scheme because you're unhappy with the play calling, for one, I think you you might be thinking of the word scheme as run pass ratio. Scheme is a lot more than run pass ratio. And you can totally run a wide a wide zone scheme and just decide to pass more. You can just like do that if you want. So you probably don't want them to change their scheme. You probably just want them to pass more, which is a pretty popular talking point or if you know whatever your problem is with the wide zone, I'd love to hear it. But I am a big fan of the wide zone and the NFL is too right now. A ton of teams are adopting wide zone 
uh, coaches. The Jets are going to take one on. The Falcons are going to take one on with Arthur Smith now. Uh, you know, the Browns took one on last year and all that. This this Kubiak scheme is spreading like wildfire around the NFL. The Vikings are in the right one, and it's a really good fit for Kirk Cousins. The best Kirk Cousins years have been under this wide zone scheme. And we can check that on the QB Annual has this awesome heat map where they have two uh, heat maps next to each other. One shows all of the routes that were run uh, and essentially how often was a route run in this part of the field or that part of the field or, you know, wherever. And then you have a heat map of Kirk Cousins's targets. And what's really interesting is if you see a place on the field where there were a lot of routes run, but not a lot of targets, or where there weren't a lot of route runs, but there were a lot of targets, you can get a sense for Cousins's tendencies and the, th the throws he tends to prefer more than, uh, than, than what are actually designed. For example, and by the way, if you don't have a PFF subscription, I wrote a zone coverage article and actually screenshotted this one for you so you can follow along. But the routes heat map, the heat map that basically says this is where receivers were and how frequently receivers were where, uh, it's very even and mirrored. There's a little bit more activity on the left side than on the right side uh, shallow and a little bit more activity deep on the right side. Uh, not by enough to make that like an interesting tendency though. And the thing is, there is this really, really, really big spot. It's the spot that kind of jumps out at you, which is just to the left of the hash mark, about five, six yards downfield. It's that really quick curl route, that slant, area and Kirk Cousins loved that throw and he threw it quite a bit and they ran it quite a bit but what I really notice is that it is a symmetrical heat map that means that that, that kind of shows you the mirrored concepts that I've kind of been complaining about all offseason the idea that instead of having you know a, a route concept that beats this coverage on the left side and that coverage on the right side and using two different route concepts, they're 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 making it easy and they're kind of hand-holding players that they couldn't really install with and I think that that led to a, left some meat on the bone. I think they could have made that a little bit more complex and been able to beat a few more defenses. But in terms of comparing that to where Kirk Cousins actually ended up throwing, because you can design whatever play you want, Kirk Cousins is ultimately responsible for where the ball is delivered to. It's really interesting. It seems like he follows the plan quite a bit, right? Which is the whole deal. Kirk Cousins is Ron Burgundy. He'll read whatever's on the teleprompter, and he didn't deviate very much. He's not a particularly improvisational quarterback. He was more improvisational this year, and I think he went for scrambles a little bit more this year and kind of went through the progressions a little deeper this year than he did in the past. And I think for the most part, it was to his credit, although earlier in the season, he would kind of try to make too much happen and throw dumb interceptions. And my hope was that it wouldn't like persuade him to back off of those improvisational tendencies. And it didn't. And I was happy about that. Um, but for the most part, he follows, he, he colors inside the lines here. The only really interesting thing is that he throws a little bit more often the uh, right side 15 yard, that kind of blaze out route, a big Adam Thielen route became a big Justin Jefferson route as well. It was always a digs route too. just a, a favorite co cousins throw. And it's a good throw. I love that. And also a lot more checkdowns than the Vikings seem to have intended, which leads us to the kind of the big point here, which is the offensive line. And usually here's the thing. When you say Kirk Cousins needs perfect surroundings to serve to, to thrive in the NFL, I don't think you're talking about scheme and I don't think you're talking about receivers. Most of the time you're talking about offensive line. So let's talk about the offensive line and, and Kirk Cousins's responsibility for how much pressure hurt the offense. And if you were to fix one or the other, like fix the O-line or fix Kirk Cousins response to pressure, which would you fix? Which would do more? It actually gave us, the QB annual gave us some EPA per play numbers that can actually give us some hypotheticals. We can do a little bit of loose math with that. So hopefully you are able to follow along with that. But first I want to talk to you about the best tasting 
protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. And they come in flavors that you don't feel like you should be able to indulge on, but they are absolute fire. Chocolate orange, chocolate peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, uh, cookies and cream, toffee almond, all of these really decadent and indulgent treats that you just don't feel like you should be able to have if you're trying to lose or maintain weight. But they're high in protein, high in fiber, low calorie, low sugar, and it's even keto friendly if you're into that. So if you want to get a box for yourself, head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You can get 20% off of your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Wednesdays on the Locked On NFL Podcast, take a dive into the future of every NFL franchise. Tony Wiggins and James Rapping are joined every week by a Locked On draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft and young NFL players fresh in the league. Maybe they talk a little bit about Justin Jefferson or Cam Dantzler or guys that the Vikings could be interested in at pick 14. So it's worth a listen for y'all. Get everything you need Wednesdays on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your favorite shows. So let's address the elephant in the room here. I don't think run game has a lot to do with Kirk Cousins' play. I don't think Kirk Cousins is particularly susceptible to whether or not his weapons are good. I don't think uh, changing the scheme is really a hypothetical even worth entertaining. The Vikings won't do it. It works for Kirk Cousins. If he weren't good in a different scheme, it kind of doesn't matter because that isn't the universe that we live in. So whatever. And he is a pretty good executor of whatever the plan was that offensive coordinators have drawn up. But really the real deal here when it comes to Kirk Cousins needs perfect surroundings. Really what you're saying is Kirk Cousins needs a decent pressure rate to survive. And that's kind of to a degree true of every quarterback. So the question we have to answer is, is it more true of Cousins that pressure messes him up than it messes anybody else up? There's no quarterback in the league that's better under pressure than not under pressure, right? Everybody takes some degree of a loss. And is Kirk Cousins' loss bigger than other quarterbacks' loss? And what we can do is look at the EPA per play numbers that the uh, QB annual put together. Together. And so I actually did a little bit of math for the zone coverage article. I walked through a little bit more of my process in that. That'll be linked in the show notes, of course, if you want to check that out. Uh, but basically, Kirk Cousins took a 0.7 EPA per play on average hit when uh, snaps were pressured versus unpressured snaps. So when the pocket was clean, he was 0.7 EPA per play better. That's a pretty big difference. That's the difference between being fourth in the league and being like 12th or 13th in the league in terms of uh, EPA per play. But then the interesting question is, how does everybody else do under pressure? Is that normal? What if that's just normal? Is that like a thing that's unique to Kirk Cousins? And the answer is he's pretty much in the middle of the pack. That is the 13th highest number of uh, like what EPA per play you lose under pressure. And put it another way, that he is the 22nd best pressure eraser in the league of the 35 qualifying quarterbacks, which is everybody in the QB annual minus Taylor Heineke because he didn't have enough snaps. So you say, all right, he's below average at overcoming pressure. I think a lot of people think he's like uniquely terrible at it. He's the worst in the league at it. And that's not true. The worst in the league at it was Jared Goff. So Law Lions. Um, and there were some other quarterbacks that are kind of the usual suspects you would expect down there. Drew Locke and stuff. Tom Brady was further down the list than you would think. He was kind of near the bottom, near the top. Uh, Justin Herbert was had the smallest difference between his under pressure and his kept clean play. So he kind of takes that crown. Matthew Stafford was up there. Sam Darnold ranked seventh. Uh, I tweeted out a chart of that. So if you saw that and got confused, um, I messed up a couple of the math. I read it. He ends up seventh actually in the category. So he was pretty good at 
at erasing pressure. Um, and, and yeah, Kirk Cousins ends up kind of like right in the middle, right next to Deshaun Watson, who his pressured snaps didn't go like as well nearly as his kept clean snaps, but he had such a high volume of pressured snaps that it changes everything. And that is the next kind of uh, step to this exercise is, okay, what happens if you make it so that, say, Kirk Cousins is dead average in erasing pressure, which was, I think, a, a 0.66 EPA per play decline that uh, goes to Aaron Rodgers hilariously. And if Kirk Cousins did that, which is not a huge difference, of course, between 22nd and like 18th, right? Uh, so if he did that, how much does the Vikings offense improve? The Vikings passing offense was 11th in EPA per dropback. So we're trying to kind of crack the top 10, see if we can't even crack the, crack the top five. Can we do that by just simulating fixes in Kirk Cousins and, and in the offensive line? And this is not going to be perfect math, right? Just doing the EPA is going to be a little reductive because what are the plays that you're actually saying were like better and and how many mistakes would he make in a clean pocket anyways and there's all kinds of like obfuscating noise that makes this an imperfect simulation but as a back of the envelope like kind of let's get a sense for it I think it works out just fine so if you made Kirk Cousins just median under pressure instead of below average under pressure the EPA per play goes from uh 0.11.11 per play to 0.13 per play. It goes from 11th to 9th. So it increases a little bit. You crack the top 10. If you fix Kirk Cousins, that's great. But here's the thing. If you take Kirk's pressure rate, which is like 38%, and you reduce it to like 32% and say, you know, that many more plays get his uh, kept clean EPA, which by the way, uh, kept clean Kirk Cousins had about 0.38 EPA per play when under pressure, it was minus 0.32 EPA per play. So on average, you'd fall behind the chains is kind of basically what that means. So if you take, it's about 40 snaps between what the Vikings did and a median offensive line. It's about, you gotta get rid of like 40 pressures. So basically replace Dakota Dozier with a nearly perfect guard it would go up to 0.16 EPA per play. It would go up to seventh. So it would help a little bit more than making Kirk a median pressure eraser. And that makes sense because Kirk is closer to the median than the O-line is to the median. There's more room to improve with the O-line. So this all sort of like should track there. Uh, but median is kind of a lackluster goal, isn't it? We don't want to strive for mediocrity. We want to strive for good. So what if you actually had like a good offensive line or if Kirk Cousins turned from what he is to a good pressure eraser? Let's put him at the 75th percentile where you're in the kind of top quarter of the league in both of those categories. So if Kirk Cousins was 75th percentile under pressure, the EPA per play would rise from the 0.11, which is what he actually turned in, to 0.18. And that 75th percentile was Russell Wilson. So if he was as good at as Russell Wilson is at getting rid of pressure, at erasing pressure and making pressure not matter, the Vikings offense would go from 11th in EPA per play to 6th in EPA per play. So you're now flirting with the top five and it's it's getting to the point where it's like a very, very good offense. You're probably getting more explosive plays. You're probably uh, having, you know, fewer sacks, fewer killed drives, fewer three and outs and stuff like that. And I think if Kirk were a good pressure eraser, then you would get a better uh, look. But... If you get a 75th percentile offensive line, so that is a pressure rate, I think, of like 28%, something like that, versus the 38% they did. So that's a good offensive line. That's not just a, a middling one. The Vikings offense would have would have gotten about 0.19 EPA per play. It would have increased them to fourth place in the league in that category. They've cracked the top five. So basically what you get here, and as a way to answer the question, how much does Kirk Cousins get screwed by his offensive line and how much it, uh, of that is fair and excusable and how much of that is really on him because he's not that good at overcoming it, I think there is absolutely some degree to which Kirk Cousins not being good at overcoming pressure hurt the Vikings in 2020. You also have to remember, at least by PFF's charting, which is this is all PFF data, so it's all coming from the same source. Some of that 
is accredited to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins caused some of his own pressure by holding the ball too long or by kind of drifting into a pressure, ruining the block angles, stuff like that, not having good pocket presence. He did cause, I think, like 27 or 28 of his own pressures. So if you if he just got rid of that, then obviously there would be this great thing. So some of that is still on Cousins and not the offensive line in general, and that's kind of not going to go away, right? I don't think you can really fix that unless he actually gets better at pocket presence, which I thought he got better than in uh, 2019 and 2020 than he was in 2018. I hope he continues to improve. That'd be great. But if you want to fix the O-line, there's a ceiling to how much that can help you. But even still, if you got rid of, you know, the bad Dakota Dozier games, all the bad right guard games, if you if you made Garrett Bradbury a better pass protector, if you made Brian O'Neill a better pass protector, he kind of had an underrated, like, not great season, and you didn't change anything about about Kirk Cousins at all, yeah, it would have been a top five offense. And I think there is something insightful to the fact that fixing the offensive line would have had a greater impact than fixing Kirk Cousins. And I think that betrays the insinuation you got in that like intro paragraph from PFF, whoever wrote that, is kind of making an old point, I think, about Kirk Cousins, that oh, he just needs everything to be so perfect and you can never make it perfect, so it'll never be perfect. But as we kind of demonstrated, just making it average, we don't even need above average. Make the offensive line average, you've got a top 10 offense. Bar none, that's it conversation over. Make Kirk Cousins a better pressure eraser in that world, it does have a positive effect. There is some fault to that, but that fault is lesser than the incompetence of the offensive line in general. And I think we just have an Occam's razor thing here. It's not that O-line is actually fine if you have a perfect pressure eraser. No, the O-line caused a lot of problems. Everybody with two eyeballs could see it, and probably some people with one eyeball can see it. So fix that problem, and you're going to have a better offense, and that dollar will go a lot farther than doing something about Kirk Cousins like trading him or switching quarterbacks or whatever, which would carry a whole bunch of other variables and you'd get a totally different person with a totally different skill set and you'd have to evaluate that entirely separately or spend three and a half million on a halfway decent guard. The path to righteousness here seems pretty easy for the Vikings. And I also think if you get a guard, it makes it easy to maybe go get a weapon like a lot of people were talking about on Twitter because of a Daniel Jeremiah mock draft. I'll link that in the show notes. A Daniel Jeremiah mock draft where uh, he had the Vikings actually taking Devonta Smith who fell to the Vikings like what happened to us in that mock draft Monday a whole bunch of like a month and a half ago. If you get a guard in free agency for three and a half million dollars, now it's a lot easier to take that skill player if Kyle Pitts falls to you or whatever weirdness. So all of this is a long-winded way to say that, yes, the offensive line is a bigger problem in terms of pressure than Kirk Cousins is. I don't think that's a controversial take. I don't think it's controversial to also say that Kirk Cousins has his own part in that, but it is smaller than the lack of talent on that unit in general. That's where I guess I'll, I'll have to leave that one. Tomorrow, we have a really cool guest. Uh, I'm bringing Sam Extramon. He just joined Purple Insider with Matthew Collar. He did this show before I did, so it's going to be, we're getting the band back together. This is cool. It's like having Will Ferrell host as SNL, but like now. Uh, so it'll, it'll be really fun for the OGs that have been around since before I was even here. I'm sure that's exciting, uh, and I'm sure a lot of you know who Sam Ekstrom is as well. So I'm excited to share that with you. That'll all be tomorrow. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. Show is on Twitter at LockedOnVikings, and I We'll see you all tomorrow with a really fun guest. And as always, Skull.